0: Chapter twelve of Hope and Have. Fanny Grant Among the Indians by Oliver Optick. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twelve. The New Home. When Fanny had finished her breakfast, she put on her best clothes and started for New York with mr Grant, who, perhaps, was more desirous of assisting the mother of Jenny than of confirming the story to which he had just listened with so much interest and sympathy. We need not say that the narrative of the returned wanderer was found to be true in every respect, or that Mr. Grant destroyed the poor woman's note of hand by which she promised to pay the sums Fanny had expended in her behalf. Mrs. Kent, while she condemned and regretted the misdeeds of Fanny, was enthusiastic in the praise she bestowed upon her kindness to the dying girl and of her tenderness and devotion in those last trying hours mr grant could not doubt that a great change had come over fanny that she earnestly intended to lead a true and good life whether she would persevere and in any degree realize her present high aspirations remained yet to be demonstrated but he was hopeful the solemn and impressive scene through which she had passed had left deep impressions upon her mind and heart which he hoped would prove as lasting as they were strong mr grant called with fanny to see dr porter and the benevolent physician gladdened his heart by the warm commendations he lavished upon fanny and without knowing of her misdeeds he declared she was a treasure in whom her friends ought continually to rejoice it was not necessary that he should know what evil she had done for he might never see her again And mr. Grant's business with him related solely to the future comfort of the soldiers family the doctor had done everything that could be done for mrs. Kent and his family were so deeply interested in the poor woman that she was not likely to suffer in the future mr. Grant promised to see him again and cooperate with him in doing what might be needed for her comfort and happiness mr. Grant and Fanny returned to Woodville by the noon train the penitent girl felt that she had been forgiven and the kindness of her friend made her all the more determined to be faithful to the resolutions she had made she had not hoped to escape the punishment she merited and had not been prepared for the tender words which had been addressed to her when it was evident that her penitence was real fanny said mr grant as they entered the library on her return i shall as i said before be obliged to send you to your uncle in minnesota i am willing to go sir replied she humbly i understand you have frequently declared that you would not go i have but i am sorry i said anything of the kind but i do not intend to send you there as a punishment for what you have done i freely forgive you you are very kind to me mr grant and i will do anything you wish without complaining i am glad to see so excellent a spirit in you which makes me sorry to send you away at this time if your conduct had warranted it before i might have made different arrangements but it is too late now i have written to your uncle informing him that you would be with him next week i promised him and your aunt when i brought you here that you should be returned to them in two years and that time has now expired we shall be absent in europe about six months When we return, if your uncle is willing, I should be very glad to have you come back to Woodville. I hope you will like your aunt better than you used to like her. I shall, sir. Mr. Grant did not think it necessary to indulge in any long lectures. He had forgiven Fanny, and he hoped her future conduct would justify his clemency. Mrs. Green and the servants saw that she was a different being. She was no longer rough, disobedient, and impertinent. For she entered at once upon her effort to be kind and obliging to all in the house in the afternoon mr grant went up to hudson where he had left bertha and fanny when he had gone the reformed girl paid a visit to ben the boatman still confined to his bed with the rheumatism she surprised him by offering to read to him from the bible an offer which he gladly accepted the next day she went to school carrying a note to the teacher which mr grant had written for her she expected to be reproached and reproved here but the teacher did not allude to her past conduct prompted in this course by the note her companions were astonished and awed by her quiet dignity and even kate magner said less than might have been expected fanny told her what had happened after the separation at Pinville, and solemnly assured her that she intended always to be a good girl in the future Fanny spent Saturday afternoon with Ben, seated by his bedside till dark, reading and singing to him, giving him his medicine, and supplying all his wants. She told him the story of her wanderings in New York, of the death and the funeral of Jenny, all of which the kindness and tenderness of Fanny to himself made real. He commended her good resolutions, and hoped that, in her new home in the West, she would be able to carry them out on monday the family returned from hudson and fanny repeated her story to bertha and her sister they were moved to tears by her narrative it had seemed to them that nothing short of a miracle could reform the wayward girl but the miracle had been wrought as was fully proved during the remainder of fanny's stay at woodville it did not seem possible that the gentle and obliging girl who was a blessing to all in the house had ever been the grief and the sorrow of her friends a thorn and a torment to all who came in contact with her when the time for fanny to leave for minnesota arrived it was hard for the family to part with her miss fanny begged that the arrangements might be altered that she might be permitted to remain at woodville or even to go to europe with them but her father thought it best that the original plan should be carried out he believed that it would be better for fanny herself there were many tears shed when they parted miss fanny was sorry to lose her protégé just as her teachings quickened into life by her visit to the city were beginning to bear their fruits mr grant had decided to attend the young traveller to her new home for he was unwilling to trust her to the care of any chance friend who might undertake the charge of her fearful lest the good impressions which were beginning to take root in her soul might be weakened during the long journey they travelled leisurely and at the end of a week reached mankato at the great bend of the minnesota river in the southern part of the state john grant fanny's uncle lived at a settlement near the southern line of the state about seventy miles from mankato and thither mr grant and fanny proceeded in a wagon hired for the purpose they were warmly welcomed by the settlers who seldom saw any one from the busy walks of civilization mr grant remained but one day which he used mainly in informing the future guardians of fanny in regard to her moral mental and spiritual needs he told them of the change which had come over her and hoped they would do all they could to foster and encourage the growth of her good principles when he had faithfully discharged his duty to his late charge he took an affectionate leave of her and departed for his home returning to mankato in the wagon by which he had come fanny now entered upon her new life and had an opportunity to take a survey of her future home the settlement consisted of about fifty persons most of whom had emigrated from the states east of the mississippi among them were a few germans swedes and norwegians the country was a perfect garden by nature and the rich deep soil produced the most abundant crops The settlement was located on one of those beautiful lakes for which minnesota is distinguished whose bright clear waters abound in fish the lake was eight miles in length with an average width of about three feet from it flowed a small stream and after receiving other tributaries discharged its waters into the watonwan which in its turn entered the minnesota john grant was one of the most important persons at the settlement he had cleared up a large farm on the border of the lake and with more means at the beginning than most of his neighbors had realized a high degree of prosperity as he had no children of his own he was glad to have fanny as a member of his family especially since he had learned of the improvement in her conduct about one-third of the population of the settlement were children and a school had been established for their benefit the instructor mr osborne a young man brother of one of the settlers had lost his right leg and his left arm by a terrible railroad accident he was a graduate of an ohio college and had been engaged in preparing himself for the ministry when the calamity occurred which rendered him unfit for the active duties of life from choice rather than from necessity he remained with his brother at the settlement being both teacher and preacher fanny immediately entered his school and devoted herself with great earnestness to her studies she soon became a favorite of mr osborne who had learned a portion of her history and felt a strong interest in her welfare she was a good scholar and her progress was entirely satisfactory to her teacher in the home of her uncle fanny found on her arrival a boy of her own age his name was ethan french and he had come from illinois with mr grant to work on the farm he had no parents living and was expected to remain with his employer till he was twenty-one he was an uncouth fellow and though he could read write and cipher he seemed to be as uncultivated and bearish as the wild indians that roamed through the countryside fanny tried to be his friend and never neglected an opportunity to do him a kindness but the more she tried to serve him the more the distance between them seemed to be increased i don't want nothin to do with gals was a favorite maxim with ethan and fanny found it impossible to be very sociable with him he did not repel or resent her well-meant advances but he edged off and got out of the way as fast as he could fanny had made up her mind before she came to her uncle's home to be contented and happy there And she was surprised to find that she liked her new residence very much. Her aunt was by no means the person her former experience had taught her to believe she was. Fanny was docile and obedient, and Mrs. Grant was no longer unjust and tyrannical. They agreed together remarkably well, and during the short period they were permitted to be together no hard thoughts existed, and no harsh words passed between them though fanny had not been accustomed to work at woodville she readily adapted herself to her new station there were no servants at the settlement people did their own work and fanny true to the good principles she had chosen did all she could to assist her aunt let it not be supposed that fanny had no temptations that the new life upon which she had entered was free from peril and struggles she was tempted from within and without tempted to be unjust unkind willful and disobedient we cannot even say that she did not sometimes yield to those temptations but she prayed for strength to resist them she labored to be true to her high purpose the anchor which she always wore on her breast frequently reminded her of her shortcomings frequently recalled the memories of the dying angel who had spoken peace to her troubled soul hope and have she often said to herself and the words were a talisman to keep her in the path of duty continually she kept before her what she hoped to be and continually she labored to attain the high and beautiful ideal of a true life she was happy in her new home and her friends were happy in her presence there but not long was this happiness to continue for even then was gathering in the distance the storm which was to overwhelm them with woe and desolation an experience of the most awful and trying character was in store for fanny for which her growth in grace and goodness was the best and indeed the only preparation by treaty and purchase the united states government had obtained vast tracts of the land of the various sub-tribes of the sioux and dakota indians by the original treaty the natives had reserved for their own use the country on both sides of the minnesota river including a tract of one hundred and fifty miles in length by twenty in breadth when the senate of the united states came to act upon the treaty it was made a condition of the approval that this reservation should also be ceded to the whites the indians assented to the condition but no lands being appropriated for their use as agreed They had moved upon the reservation and their right to it was recognized a portion of this reservation was subsequently acquired by purchase but the indians continued to occupy the rest of it by the various treaties the indians were paid certain sums of money every year and supplied with quantities of goods such as blankets clothing tools and arms but the money was not paid nor the goods delivered when due the indians were cheated by traders and the debts due the latter were taken from the money to be paid the former the neglect of the government fully occupied in suppressing the rebellion at the south and the immense frauds practiced upon the simple natives roused their indignation and stirred up a hatred which culminated in the most terrible indian massacre recorded in the annals of our country End of chapter 12. Recording by Scarlett, Louisiana.